All right, welcome to Teaching Others Also. It's Wednesday morning, February 16th. Go to John chapter 3, please. That's the main place we will be today, John chapter 3. And we'll go one book to the right to Acts chapter 19, if you want to throw a little something in there. Going to make reference to a place there. I want to keep focusing on John 3 a little bit about this thing of fishing for souls, the fishing part of it. <clears throat> now, the thoughts I want to give out today are not th ones that just happened recently. They're not ones that, you know, I read and said, well, this would be a great thing to talk about and that kind of stuff. No, these are the result of years of, you know, teaching the book, fishing for souls, dealing with people. But I know this for a fact that I have watched in my lifetime, I have watched in the years that that I've been a you know an active you might say practicing believer practicing Christian I've watched a change in that time and I've gone back and read what things were like at the beginning of the 1900s say the end of the 1800s and 1900s uh, as far as Christianity goes and preaching Bible type preaching not just people who claim to be Christians there's a lot of there's even cults that claim to be Christian and they're not but for a Bible-believing Christian, there's been a great change in the last 125 years. That change also happened back around the beginning of the 1st and 2nd century A.D. of the church age. And what happens is when you lose a little bit of faith or maybe more in how God does things and you don't let Him do it His way, you're going to get a man-made way. You're going to get a formula, for example. You're going to get a system. You're going to get a, you know, one, two, three, pray after me type thing. And there is nothing wrong with helping somebody pray. Didn't say that. But I tell you what's missing a lot is that element that says, I'm going to talk to somebody about their soul or I'm going to preach the gospel and leave it with God like Jesus did with Nicodemus. And when you follow the life of Nicodemus, you find he came to a pretty good place through this seed sown right here in John chapter 3. He's one of the only two fellows that went and got the body of the Lord Jesus Christ after his crucifixion and enabled what God was going to do, and that is resurrect him from a unused, previously unused grave, tomb. So in John chapter 3, he says to him, you, marvel not, well, first he says, well, he said, marvel not, verse 7, that I said unto thee, you must be born again. He's already said, you've got to be born again to see the kingdom of God. He's already said in verse 5, you've got to be born of the water, new, uh, first birth, and spirit, capital S, new birth. He said in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is what? Is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So he said, marvel not, verse 7. Then he says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the spirit, capital S. And Nicodemus, honestly, rightly so, says, how can these things be? Now, he'd already asked at the very first in 
uh, inference of a new birth. In verse 4, he said, how can he can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb be born? And then the Lord Jesus Christ distinguishes first birth from second birth. And he says, art thou a master, verse 10, of Israel, and knowest not these things? And so he's going to tell him, he said in verse 12, and I get this, if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? You say, well, the new birth is, is a heavenly thing. No, it's an earthly thing. The new birth happens on earth, and then it relates to heaven. So the new birth is for this life. It's on earth. It's like when Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, he said, these are things under the sun. So the Lord Jesus Christ says, this is an earthly thing. And very quickly, I want to add this. People act like anybody who talks about creation, or anybody who believes in creation, that that's some spiritually discerned Truth, it is not. Read Romans 1 and 2. There's a sense in which every human being is born with a witness in their heart when it comes to nature. That God made everything. They're born that way. And we know that early on people get taught out of it. They get experienced out of it, etc. But it started with believing it. So I want to look today for a few minutes about this thing of spirit awareness and spirit knowledge. Because he talks to Nicodemus about it, and I'm going to give you a little hint from the beginning. Look at verse 14 and 15 of John 3. We're going to look at Acts 19 and come back to John 3. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You must not lose sight of this. You must not lose sight of, of this believing on Jesus Christ. We're going to come back to it before I close, hopefully today. Because many have gotten away from it because someone else cheapened it or someone else oversimplified it. But when you make a reaction, what you're doing is you're not taking action. You're acting because of someone else's action. And that is the surest way to get out of your lane. One of the surest ways to end up in one of the two ditches is to react instead of acting. Nowadays, when it comes to, say, time management and task management, they call it being proactive. In other words, you choose your actions. And that is how we must be when it comes to the gospel. Now, as an example, in Acts chapter 19, and I am completely aware that this is a transitional time in the early history of the church. This is a time when God is revealing to the believing Jews that the Gentiles also are going to get the gift of the Holy Spirit and that we know now through Paul's epistles that God gave him to teach us that we've studied through the years. We know that when you receive Christ, Christ comes in you, the hope of glory, and he does so in the person of the Holy Spirit. We know that. But I want you to think about what he says to them here in Acts 19. I'm going to read it. And it came to pass, verse 1, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? So this is the transitional period. There's Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. You should write those down. Keep them in your mind. Those are the three places where you see 
God bearing witness to the Gentiles and to people getting the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues. It's other languages. They're not babbling. You wouldn't know someone was speaking in a tongue if they're babbling. You might think that they're having a fit or a seizure. So all the stuff that goes on, you don't have to be afraid of it. You avoid it. Don't allow it in your church. But don't shut out the Holy Ghost. I, I tell you this. There's many a church that is like the fellow said, they're, they're straight as a gun barrel and just as empty. Okay? And that's because they, in reaction, they cut out the work of the Holy Ghost. He said, have you received it? And verse 2, they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. When I came to Christ, I didn't know what that meant. I remember the first time someone asked me about it. I didn't know what they meant. And he said unto them, verse 3, unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. I, 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 know, I know a bunch of y'all hang on to this thing where John told them to be baptized for the remission of sins and because their sins are remitted. That is not what it says. I'll give you an illustration. When you get somebody who comes to Christ and they were, say, christened as a child or sprinkled whatever, one of the greatest ways to help them explain to their family and parents, etc., what happened to them and that they're thankful their parents knew they had a need, because they did. That's why they get them christened a lot of times. They know that we're all sinners. They know it. And you can say, you gave me the baptism of a need, and now I want to get the baptism of the need being met. And that's what he's, Paul's talking about here. He said, and so when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, verse 5. That's not rebaptizing somebody who's truly believed and gotten baptized and all that kind of stuff. That is, is why we're called Baptist from the, it's a shortened version of the word Anabaptist. Okay? So the idea is they didn't know what was going on. They were believers. And, and Paul said, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? They had believed. And when, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were what? About twelve. And look, verse 8, and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly. So there are believing Jews there that God is saying, I'm going to give you an, a sign. First Corinthians 1 says the Jew requires a sign. Greek seeks after wisdom. Back to John 3. Now, we know that we have Christ now indwelling us without that laying on of hands. But beware of thinking that a person has the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in them because of a formula that they repeated or believed. A lot of people today are being given, and I mean by soul winners, are being given a John the Baptist type of plan. You see, what we're supposed to be helping people do and guiding them and leading them to is receiving Jesus Christ. That's what it's really about. You see, he said that, Paul said in John in, in uh, Acts 19.4, Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ. Never play down how powerful believing on Jesus Christ is. Do not try to dissect it to a formula. 
You say, well, they got to know that they're sinner and they got to know this and they got to know that. They need to know more than that even. But what they really need is the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing a doctrine doesn't save you. Believing a doctrine doesn't give you a new birth. You know, there's many a soul trying to defeat the flesh and the power of the flesh because they're not aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit or they might not be in Christ. And they need to just throw themselves on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on Him. I'm not talking about retreading. I'm not talking about that, I call it being born again again, these people go around preaching. However, there is no power in appealing to the new nature in one who is spiritually unborn. Much preaching today is, is formulated, it's formed, it's designed to move people, and they're moving them on an emotional level. And I believe in emotions. I can cry, I can shout, I can do all that pretty easily. But they're moving them on an emotional and mental level that is not spiritual. And if you had 100 people in a room, the one thing they all have is an old nature still. They have it. They're not their old nature if they're born again. So a lot of people double down on 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, when they're concerned about someone having what we call assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation is when you are able to know, believe, receive, you might say, the assurance that comes from a doctrine, doctrine called eternal security. So 1 John 5.13 is the verse people go, and, they, and here's what it says, you know it. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And so the typical soul winning things take somebody to that verse and say, did you believe? Yes. Does it say you can know? Yes. So you know, right? You know, right? You know, right? All they're going to do is answer you, but you're trying, to, you're trying to program them. Give them a chance to grow. Give them a chance to be like a newborn baby that grows. So instead of doubling down on 1 John 5, 13, of course show that to somebody. You know what Jesus told Nicodemus 14, 15, and 16? And, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Digest this today, I pray thee. Talk to you in the morning. Thank you.